welcome to the My Breast, My Health podcast. My name is Tasha Gandhi-Bihaja and I am your host and I'm also a breast cancer surgeon. In this podcast, we use shared stories and expertise to help navigate through the world of breast cancer. Thank you very much for joining me today. I hope you are all well and adapting to the new normal that we are all finding ourselves in, of course, post-lockdown, but remaining vigilant and alert and having to continue physical distancing. I thought I'll give you an update as to what is happening in the breast services, certainly in my hospital. So we are continuing to see people with breast symptoms in our clinics, although although the capacity remain reduced. And we are also continuing to operate on those who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. So those two efforts continue, although again, they are still at reduced capacity. In terms of surgery for reconstruction, we are starting to think about when to restart this service. So the breast reconstruction service include both implant-based as well as autologous-based. And we suspended this service at the time of the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. And now we are rethinking of at some point in the very near future to reintroduce this back into the service. So that is a little bit of an update At the moment, we are still um, working under the restrictions of the pandemic. However, we are aiming to bring back the service really nationally back to what we were doing before the pandemic. The question is whether we will ever be able to provide a service in a similar fashion to what we used to do before remains questionable. Nevertheless, we continue to strive to provide best care possible and we continue to do that and I will definitely keep you updated. So let's get on with the show. Today's episode is a solo episode where I am going to answer the question, can men get affected by breast cancer? Now some of you may know the answer to this but for those who don't know, spoiler alert, the answer is yes they can. This is an area that we don't talk about very much, and so I thought I will delve deeper into the topic of male breast cancer. But before we do that, I have a small favour to ask. So if you have been enjoying these episodes um, in this podcast so far, I would be really grateful if you could leave a rating and review. So what you can do is just pause for a second, pause this episode, and then go to the, um, the reviews tab click on the stars and leave a review. It's really that simple. And what this does, it actually makes the show more discoverable to people. And that will really be very helpful because by doing that, it can reach more people. And so hopefully more people can benefit from listening to these episodes. So thank you so much in anticipation. I really, really appreciate it. And let's start the show. Breast cancer is the number one cancer that affects women. And because of this, we tend to associate breast cancer with women. Breast cancer is less common in men. It represents less than 1% of all cancers in men and less than 1% of of all breast cancers. In the UK, we see roughly just shy of 400 new cases per year with a lifetime risk of one in 870. So you can compare this to the number that is 55,000 new cases of female breast cancer per year in the UK with a lifetime risk of one in eight. 
So obviously, if you compare the two, then the incidence of male breast cancer is comparatively low. And that is why we don't talk about it enough. Because it is less common, awareness is rather lacking out there. And so today I'm going to talk about it in more detail. So first of all, let's talk about risk factors. Um, The first risk factor I would say is increasing age. And like most cancers and most of us, the risk of any cancer developing increases as we get older. And this applies to male breast cancer. We know that the incidence steadily increases with age, peaking at about 72 years with an average age of 67 years. And we can compare this to the average age of 62 years for women. So age is a risk factor and we know that men with breast cancer do present at an older age. Second risk factor is ethnicity. And the risk factor of breast cancer in black men is greater than white men. Black men also have poorer prognostic features such as larger tumours, auxiliary lymph node positivity and higher grade tumours compared to white men. We don't really know the reasons behind this at the moment and so research is continuing to look into this. Family history again is also um, a risk factor and interestingly the correlation is stronger for men who report a sister alone compared to if a mother alone had breast cancer. However, the risk of breast cancer increases about tenfold if both mother and sister have had breast cancer. If you're a man and you have a BRCA2 gene mutation, then you have an increased risk of breast cancer with a lifetime risk of about 5 to 10% compared to the general population risk, which is low at 0.1%. So that is actually quite a difference in um, lifetime risk. And because of that, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, or ASCO, has recommended genetic counselling and testing to all men with breast cancer. The association of male breast cancer with the other commonly known breast cancer gene, which is the BRCA1 gene, So the BRCA1 gene mutation has a less strong correlation with male breast cancer compared to the BRCA2 gene. And with BRCA1 gene mutation, it is about a 1% risk. Radiation is also known to increase male breast cancer risk. At the end of World War II in 1945, America detonated two atomic bombs, one in Hiroshima and the other in Nagasaki. And these two bombings killed at least 129,000 people. The most robust evidence that increased radiation exposure is a risk factor for men came from studies of the atomic bomb survivors. A cohort of just under 46,000 men were followed between 1958 and 1998, and it was found that the rate of breast cancer in these men increased during this period. Chest wall irradiation, such as those for lymphoma, may also increase the risk of male breast cancer. Another interesting finding was noted after the 9-11 bombings in New York City. It was recently reported that 15 men working around Ground Zero following the aftermath of 9-11 have developed breast cancer. Five of these were responders and the others were working in the area and one of these was a student. So could it be that unknown toxins and radiation be responsible for this increased incidence of male breast cancer in this small cluster of people? That's yet to be determined, but I thought that's a really interesting finding. 
And lastly, liver disease and obesity. So we know that conditions such as liver cirrhosis and obesity increases the risk of breast cancer. Men with a BMI or body mass index of greater than 30 have an 80% increased risk compared to men with a BMI of less than 25. So how does male breast cancer present? Well, actually, the symptoms are similar to that in women. So it normally presents as a painless lump, usually behind the nipple area, although, of course, it can occur anywhere in the breast. It can also present, like in women, with features of nipple retraction, skin changes, as well as nipple discharge. However, as there is no breast screening program for men, men would be diagnosed as they present with symptoms, unlike in women, where, of course, we can detect cancer in women through the National Breast Screening Programme. Men also have a condition called gynecomastia, which is quite common, and this is a benign condition that also usually presents as a lump behind the nipple area. And so it's very, very important for us to be able to distinguish between whether this lump is a cancer or whether it is simply gynecomastia. And so how do we investigate a lump? Well, of course, like um, women, if a man has a breast lump, they need to come to the breast clinic. And in this clinic, we would do a physical examination and we would also do a scan. We can do an ultrasound scan and a mammogram. And if the lump is suspicious, then we would perform a biopsy. Because of lack of screening programs and also lack of awareness, breast cancer in men usually presents as larger cancers compared to women and with lymph node metastases being more prevalent. So that's about 42% of males compared to 33% of women. So do we see the same type of breast cancer in men as we do in women? Well, in male breast cancer, it commonly originates from the ductal system, and so we commonly see ductal carcinomas, like we do in women. However, unlike in women, the anatomy of the male breast is such that there are very few lobules within the breast, and so lobular cancers are not that common. Overall, male breast cancer is more likely to be estrogen receptor positive and HER2 negative. They are less likely to be triple negative as well. So how do we treat male breast cancer? Well, unfortunately, there are no randomized control studies specifically targeted towards male breast cancer. And so how we treat male breast cancer is actually extrapolated from studies based on women. And therefore, we treat male breast cancer as we would female breast cancer. And that involves surgery, chemotherapy, radiotherapy and endocrine treatment, depending on that patient's cancer type. So let's talk about surgery first. Traditionally, mastectomy which is the removal of the entire breast, would be the surgical recommendation of choice. And this is because the male breast doesn't contain much breast tissue. And so a mastectomy is usually preferred to make sure that we completely remove the cancer and at the same time allowing a good cosmetic outcome. However, having a lumpectomy or breast conservation surgery is possible, especially if the cancer is small and if there is enough breast tissue to allow closure of the defect. How about radiotherapy? We know that observational studies have shown that breast conservation surgery, i.e. lumpectomy, coupled with radiotherapy in men, 
have very similar survival rates compared to men who have had a mastectomy alone. And despite this, we don't do enough breast conservation surgery in men. And I think this is something that perhaps we need to look into in greater depth. Like in women, men who are eligible should also be offered chemotherapy. And this is true in both the neoadjuvant setting as well as the adjuvant setting. Although the data of the benefits of chemotherapy in men is from observational studies alone, it still has been shown to improve survival rates. So chemotherapy is also given to men if required. And let's talk about endocrine treatment. So as I mentioned earlier, most male breast cancers are estrogen receptor positive. And because of this, endocrine treatment plays an important role in male breast cancer treatment. Tamoxifen is the most studied of all of the treatments and it is the recommended treatment of choice. A retrospective analysis of the German Cancer Registry noted survival among men with early breast cancer was improved with the use of adjuvant tamoxifen, but not with an aromatase inhibitor. And the reason for this is that it is thought to be due to the ineffectiveness of an aromatase inhibitor to fully suppress the level of circulating estrogen in men. Therefore, an aromatase inhibitor such as letrozole, for example, cannot be recommended without an LHRH agonist such as Zolodex. So we've talked about risk factors, how it presents, how we can treat it. Now let's talk about prognosis. And is there a difference between prognosis of female breast cancer versus male breast cancer? Well, the American Surveillance Epidemiology and End Results Registry database suggests that men have poorer survival for stages 1, 2 and 3 compared to women. However, the relative survival rates which is obtained after we adjust for older age at diagnosis and poorer life expectancy shows survival rates are quite similar between men and women. However, a recent retrospective study published in JAMA Oncology last year, 2019, noted that the five-year survival rate was lower in men compared to women. So that was a 77.6% survival rate for men versus 86.4% for women. And one of the reasons behind this was the fact that there could be under treatment of the disease. For example, we know that radiotherapy is given less commonly to men even after breast conservation surgery. The other possible reason is that, as mentioned before, men are more likely to present at later stages. And we know that a higher percentage of men presents with stage 4 breast cancer at, at diagnosis compared to women. And that's a 5.8% um, rate versus 3.8%. It was also found that male patients had a 19% higher chance of dying than female patients within five years of diagnosis. However, there were limitations to this study as it didn't have detailed information about the treatment such as the chemotherapy type and nor did it have information about the cause of death or the recurrence or progression of the cancer. So we know that breast cancer can affect men 
And despite the low number of men being affected by breast cancer, there still remains many men out there who are living with a breast cancer diagnosis. And so we must consider this ecological impact of this disease on men. And I feel that, you know, men probably don't get enough support from the breast cancer community. And I've heard those who have been affected by breast cancer tell me that, you know, some people would comment to them saying that, you know, at least it's not as bad as when a woman gets breast cancer, for example, and you're a man, how can you have breast cancer? That does, that just doesn't happen. And there's also an underlying perhaps taboo around the subject because breast cancer is so much associated with women. And so when a man has the disease, it is perhaps seen as slightly less masculine and therefore men don't talk about it as openly. And perhaps there is um, a degree of shame and taboo surrounding the subject. So what can we do to help? Well, definitely we need to raise public awareness and we need to talk about this subject much, much more to make sure that people out there do realize that breast cancer can affect men. Another thing that we can do is to make the environment surrounding breast cancer more gender neutral. So for example, if questionnaires are being sent out to people, we can have gender specific questionnaires and just make the environment in the hospital and the clinics less intimidating perhaps to men and to make it more welcoming. And lastly, I think charities um, should be more inclusive and more visible in the way they talk about breast cancer in men. I think there need to be more support surrounding this topic and uh, awareness definitely needs to be raised because even though only 1% of breast cancers affect men, that is still 1% and there are still men out there who do not seek medical attention because they weren't aware of the fact that men can get breast cancer. And similarly, when they do receive a diagnosis of breast cancer, that we should be able to provide the best support possible. So I hope this has been helpful. And um, just to summarize, I would say that the points we covered or the salient points would be that male breast cancer is uncommon, but it does exist. We probably should consider performing breast conservation surgery if appropriate more readily. Genetic counselling has to be um, on front of mind when we see um, a man with breast cancer. And also we need to do more research, specifically randomised control trials and involve men in these research studies. And I think this is something that we have failed to do in the past and we need to rectify this going forward. And lastly, I think we need to increase awareness um, around the general population to say that male breast cancer does exist. And if a man has a lump in the breast, that it shouldn't be ignored. And there is no shame in getting it checked out. And they must go and see a, a doctor, a breast surgeon, breast physician to get it checked out. 
So there it is, male breast cancer in summary. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative. And one of the reasons why I created this podcast in the first place is to be able to share information and raise awareness surrounding certain topics. If you would like to connect with me on social media, then you can find me at Dr. Tasha G. So that's Dr. Tasha G on Twitter and Instagram. And if you would like me to cover certain topics, then please drop me a message and I will make sure that I get back to you. You can let me know about what you enjoy most about the podcast. And if you have certain people that you would like me to um, invite to come onto the show and interview, then definitely let me know and I'll try and see what I can do. And as I said, if you have any questions or topics that you want me to cover, then also uh, message me with those and you never know, I may then take those on and create episodes based on those topics in the future. And on that note, if you haven't done so already, I would recommend you subscribe to the podcast. Just hit or press or click that subscribe button in your podcasting app. And if you do that, that means that in the future, whenever I download or upload really, whenever I upload an episode, then that will be downloaded straight to your podcasting app of choice. So you don't miss any of the episodes going forward. I will also leave some resources and links in the show notes at mybreastmyhealth.com forward slash episode 19. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day and I will catch up with you in the next episode. Take care.